Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do. It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. How are y'all doing? I have a very special guest on the line with me this morning. Dominga Taylor, how are you doing, Queen? Thank you for being with the Truth Seekers this morning. If you will, say hello to all the Truth Seekers out there and give people a little bit of your background as we get into this morning's discussion question, human sex trafficking, what you don't know. Thanks again for being with us, Queen. How are you doing this morning? Hi. Good morning, Montoya. I'm doing okay. And Good morning to everyone listening. Um, my name is Dominga, and I'm a certified anti-human sex trafficking advocate. I've been working directly with victims of sex trafficking and speaking out against the exploitation. Um, And I've been doing this for about seven years. Um, I've partnered with Wellspring Living, which is one of the major organizations here in Atlanta that assists girls um, from ages 12 all the way up into 18. And then they also assist women that were exploited as well. So I'm happy to be on the show to have this conversation because this is a conversation that must be had. Absolutely must be had. And and not to necessarily interview you, per se, again, because we definitely have a topic that, uh, again, people need to hear about. But one other question in reference to your background is, if you will, Domingo, what got you into this field? Um, again, knowing in a sense that you're an advocate, uh, for the, for what I, from what I understand, in a sense you volunteer in a sense, volunteered to get into this field. From And so I'm just wondering what got you into this field, if you will. Yep, so I did start off as a volunteer. Um, one of the reasons why I started off um, volunteering with sex trafficking is that I was a volunteer for the Gwinnett um, Sexual Assault Center, and those were victims of all sexual assault. So that started and piqued my interest into sex trafficking. So I just started educating myself and I found Wellspring Living. And then with the combination of that, I just started, I decided to volunteer for them. But then along the way of volunteer, I noticed that people aren't aware of what human trafficking is. So that started me to start out to educate the community. Nah, it makes sense. But like you've said, the fact that people are not aware, that's what made me say, you know what, let me find out what even got her into it, because this is an area that I would say to a certain extent as a society, unfortunately, we kind of leave it alone. Uh, and, yeah. and that's obviously what we're going to do with this morning's discussion question, human sex trafficking, what you don't know. Hopefully this will be a very informative section, informative session or discussion, I should say, and with that said, though, as always, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, we're going to go directly at it. Uh, we don't beat around the bush if you are a first-time listener. 
Um, I always tell people sometimes you might not like what you're hearing, and it's because we have honest and hard conversations, and I expect this to be one of those because, again, anytime there's anything in society that we don't like touching, it's usually because people are uncomfortable. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in a sense, I typically will say to any guest I have, like, what was your first thought? When 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 I said I wanted to have you on this show, but but in this case I want to go a little slightly different direction because again that's how I start pretty much every show. But what I want to say to you again, being a certified advocate in this field, knowing that people are uncomfortable, as much as you love educating people on this subject, what are your what is your perspective about people being so uncomfortable? Because we got to open that up if we're gonna even delve right. into this you know, this discussion this morning. And so having been in the field, if you could just kind of tell me what you've seen as far as breaking down, and I would say the psychology, again, we're on mental dialogue, right? So the psychology right. of where where is this fear coming from? Uh, you know, for the most part, I think people just hope it doesn't land on their back door. You know what I mean? I think that's, right. I think that's how we go in society when it comes to this issue. Why are we so afraid to talk about it in your opinion, Denise? Well, you know what, like you just said, one of the things, in my opinion, is that uh, in our society, we've become the, if it's not happening to me, it's none of my business, or oh well, well, we really just don't care about it, right? And a lot of other times, it's because we actually have traffickers, which is synonymous with pimps, in our own family. And so no Mm -hmm. one wants to talk against that. It's just like the child molester in the family the grandfather, the uncle, we sweep it under the rug. No one wants to talk about that. So it should be an uncomfortable conversation to have. It should be. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's hard to have the conversation because they have to start taking a look at themselves. And and some Mm -hmm. people may have played a role in it or may know someone that's playing a role in it. And so when you start to see some um, things that you may have done um, and, and your responsibilities in it, then see, you don't want to take responsibility of it. But we have to have the conversation in order to put a dent in it, right? Absolutely. That's why this conversation ends up being necessary. But you just said something real critical, and I'm wanting to kind of put that on his head when you say something I've done may have played a role, and I never thought about that, right? I never thought about mm-hmm. whereas if you were to become fully aware of what's happening in this quote-unquote industry, right? This is a billion-dollar industry, unfortunately, in this country. And so if you become fully aware, then it, there's a mirror check. I think what I hear you saying to a certain extent, mm-hmm. it becomes a mirror check from the standpoint of, you know, although I may not personally go into that, or, or you know, you might be the person who said, well, I won't pay mm-hmm. for any sex or whatever the case may be. You may not be doing, or as you say, some people have done that too, right? They released it on that end mm-hmm. of it, right? But even if you haven't mm-hmm. went that far, it's like if you if we get if we get exposed, it's almost like you know humans have yep. to look at themselves, right? If I get exposed to the full industry and what happens with it, there, there may be a little part of you that says, "Wow, me doing this thing that I like to do might help advance that industry in some way." And, and, and even even if just from the standpoint of desensitizing, right? Desensitizing right. a generation to eventually being exploited. I, I can understand when you say say that, yeah, I don't want to know no parts of that. I don't want to know that anything I'm doing mm-hmm. might be you playing not... a role in somebody else 
is unfortunately getting into that trap because that's what I would call it a trap. Um, you know, some people go into it by choice, and we're going to open up the conversation about that as well. But for the most part, as you said, most people are being exploited. Go ahead, Queen. Yeah. Yeah, and what I was going to say, because I don't want any of the listeners to misunderstand when I say you don't want to look at, you know, possibly your part, you don't have to be the trafficker or the buyer to actually play a part in it. Because let's just say that you know someone that that's out there exploiting girls and women, and you do nothing about it. You say nothing about it. In my opinion, you're partly to blame in that situation. So it's time for us to get involved. When you see that and you know what that is, speak out against that. That's what I mean by that. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure, or, 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 like you said, you know, our language. We have to learn how to change our language when it comes down to human sex trafficking as well. You know, glamorizing the word pimp and making that fun. There are people that call their three-year-old, five-year-old handsome little boy, or you're going to be a pimp when you grow up. So it's a lot of different uh, pieces, right, to the entire puzzle that we have to start uh, changing. We have to start taking accountability, and we have to start speaking out against it. Uh, That's actually a perfect segue into our first quick break. We're going to go to, again, a quick break. We come out of the break. We're going to talk about exactly what you're talking about is just even how society in itself begins the normalization that, unfortunately, for those who, as I say, get trapped into it, uh, I'm pretty sure you can speak to this better than I can, but uh, especially for, in a sense, those who choose it, right? There are people who choose it. There's no way around that. But for those who are doing that, if you look into their life, uh, I'm, I'm talking about we, we either side of it. There's choice okay. to a certain extent. Uh, we, we can we can we can dialogue about that. On, okay. On the, on the back of the but I, what I what I okay. all, even what I, my bigger point is, if you look into their history, the the normalization and desensitivity started usually well before the decision to get into that industry by choice or by force. Obviously, is you know a big issue as well. So I'm not saying everybody. Choose, I'm definitely not saying most people choose it. Again, either way, we'll come back on the break right. and get into that discussion. All I ask is that you think. We'll be right back. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Karate for Children is offered every Sunday at Mount Vernon Presbyterian Church Gymnasium from 2.45 to 4.15 p.m. for ages 5 to 14 years old. Children will learn Japanese karate as well as self-defense prevention skills to handle today's situation, like bullying and child abductions. For only $10 a class, children will gain confidence, self-control, and focus, all while having fun and getting good physical fitness. There are no bench warmers because everyone participates. Come join our family every Sunday at 471 Mount Vernon Highway, Northeast, Sandy Springs, Georgia, 30328. For more information, call B-Champs at 770-643-1286. Again, that number is 770-643-1286. 
baby. That's right. Big pimpin', spinning cheese. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Special guest this morning, Domingo Taylor, anti-human sex trafficking advocate, is with us for this morning's discussion question. Human sex trafficking, what you don't know. Before the break, me, I kind of used the word I think you wanted to address when I said, in a sense, some <laughs> people enter by choice. And, again, I'm not saying that's the most. But, you know, as we hear the, the, the tail end of the, of the Jay-Z big pimping, and we were kind of getting into that exploitation and how we normalize some aspects of this industry. And as you mentioned, you know, sometimes we have people in our family or people that we know that are in that in that industry. And, you know, if you think of, like you said, when you say pimping, you think of the trafficker itself. So when I'm saying choice, sometimes that's by choice. I even have a perspective, and maybe you can break that down, that from time to time, based on, and I'll play a cut later, it talks about how sometimes people, at least in my mind, choose that explorative industry for for a period in time, sometimes based on their circumstances. So, you know, but I'll let you kind of jump in and tell me what, maybe why you don't see it that way in reference to some that are choosing. As we get into the show later, we're going to definitely get into those who are not choosing, which is, the, in my opinion, the, the biggest issue that we're not handling. But go ahead, Queen. Okay. Well, what I mean by uh, this choice, right, you can't consent to being exploited in human sex trafficking. So I don't know if what you're saying is an individual that decided to uh, sell their body to individuals for money for whatever that reason is, right? And, And we're not talking about a pimp or a trafficker in any of those situations because a pimp a pimp, and a trafficker is the same thing. So you'll hear me saying trafficker, but it's the same thing. Um, the trafficker <laughs> is not one that is loving, right? Uh, psychologically, they will make you feel. That's one of the ways that they'll lure their victims, to make you feel that they love you, buy you nice things. Heck, they'll even cook for you, right? But a, a victim of human sex trafficking cannot consent to being exploited. That's law. So I just wanted to clear up that difference of what we're talking about and then maybe what some of those things are that we see in our neighborhoods. You know what I mean? So I just wanted to, you know, make sure everyone understands the difference. Yeah. No, that's major. Like I say, what the law says. And let me ask you this in, in hearing you say that, I not now just a just a simple question and getting that clarity out there. So mm-hmm. is is a if a for example, if a woman, for example, chooses to prostitute and doesn't have a pimp, does that fall under human trafficking based on the laws? And I'm just asking because I don't know. Right. So let's talk about what human trafficking is, right? So Definitely. traffickers they use force, fraud or coercion to make their victims Correct. engage in commercial sex acts. That's what that is. So if anyone is in that situation, then yes, they are. They started their day in human sex trafficking. They have a life of being a victim of a sex trafficker if those things occurred. The law also states, though, that if you're under the age of 18, 
and you are engaging in commercial sex, you are automatically a victim of human sex trafficking, Correct. even if there was no force, fraud, or coercion. So if you fall underneath Absolutely. that, then that's what that is. It, regardless if you want to say that's what it is or not. You know what I mean? That's yeah, no, no. no, no this is all, this you gotta, all matters, you, like you say. Right, because you got to think no, about all... it. We talk about the the word prostitute, right? And and mm-hmm. I, I'm taking full responsibility of myself. I was born and raised in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and the strip of Pacific Avenue was full of quote-unquote prostitutes. I always thought as a young girl, uh, they wanted to do that. I felt nothing. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel sorry for them or anything, right? And so I started educating mm-hmm. myself because let's just say, because we don't know anybody's backstory, but let's just say right. that young lady that's out there, she may be 22 years old, let's say she started her life selling her body at 12. Is that, is that a choice for her? No. Right. So we don't know someone's backstory. So that's why I said we have to change our mindset and our perception when it comes down to it. No, that's beautiful. I mean, just like, just like, like what we just did, right? The way I said it by choice. And right. this breakdown is a big difference because speaking of a backstory, I'll tell of a specific backstory that I know, and the way you just explained it to me makes a difference. And I'll give you, okay. I'm talking about, this is a real-life example that I know firsthand. Here in Atlanta, okay. this probably happened maybe five to seven years ago or whatever, and me growing up in my little country town, I've always had this concept, you know, I well, at least, you know, I'll say where I would never pay to have sex. Like, that's kind of something that I, is kind of we would say as boys, right? And I carry that all the right. way into manhood, right? And so I remember, again, maybe five to seven years ago, I was at Lennox Mall. I was Uber. It wasn't, even, it wasn't quite that long ago, maybe five years ago. But I was Uber mm-hmm. driving, and I saw a beautiful sister out in the parking lot, and she, you know, made a huge effort to kind of see me as I'm noticing. Now, when she's looking at me, I'm like, oh, is she checking me out? You know what I mean? Like just a natural mm-hmm. she checking me out type situation or whatever. But I, it was a parking lot I would park in to try to get, you know, drives or whatever. So I guess she noticed where I parked, so she made attention to come over near me or whatever. I'm like, hey, this is pretty forward is how, you know, what I'm thinking, right? Long story short, mm-hmm. um, she's checking me out. At the time, I'm kind of naive to it. I say what's up to her. She appears to get into the car, and at that point, I get what it is. You feel me? Like it becomes clear mm-hmm. at this moment. And I just told her, you know, in my old country style, I don't do that. I, you know, not an option or whatever. But she was cool, right? right? Cool to the extent mm-hmm. that I didn't mind, you know, talking to her or whatever. And then she ended up asking me about the strip clubs in Atlanta, right? And so, mm-hmm. in asking me about the, yeah, in asking me about the strip club because I had been in the music industry prior, I could I knew all the details because that's where the industry, the music industry takes place in the strip club. Okay. So I had that ah. information immediately, for, yeah, for her, whatever, and I gave it to her just kind, you know, kind of say here's, you know, because I, I again I just had background and knew that she just happened to ask me and I knew, so because I did that, she she had asked to stay in contact with me and literally hung out with her another day. She had another friend in town. And so I'm curious. I end up asking them, how did you even get into this? Both of their stories were they had started stripping 
underage mm. back where they were I'm from. I'm so glad. I think she mm-hmm. was in. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think she was in D.C. and the other girl was not too far from or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, long story short, I spent a day. This is the day they was just chilling, right? They wasn't, I guess, working or whatever the case. But while I'm listening to them. There, I can hear how they think. They one of them had, I think both of them had children. Their perspectives or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short, it's what you just said. I was so devastated by how they had started just, you know, it was just stripping, not selling their bodies or anything like that, but they had both been allowed to strip underage. Like that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And I, at the time, I, but I, was, I was doing the show way back then. And so I said I would be interested in telling y'all a story one day. They gave me, the, you know, gave me all the info for that. It never worked out. I reached out a couple of times and the numbers had changed or whatever. But in that meantime, I learned a lot about how they think because that's not a life I had been exposed to, especially from right. the lady side. Like you, like I can admit, like you said, have I heard of or knew of pimps in, you know, you know, whatever, not, not in a hundred percent detail, but knew them enough to where, yeah, I didn't think nothing of it either. Just like, you, you know, like you said, right. So mm-hmm. I knew it from the, in a sense, some, a little bit from the pimp side of it, never knew it from the woman's side until I spent this right. time you know, hanging out with them. So kind of with all that said, I never thought about that because by the time they were older, by the time I meet them, and it seems like it's their choice. They didn't have a pimp. But what you mm-hmm. just said blows my mind. Like now I'm connecting it. Like although I'm looking at it, they're choosing this now. Maybe they didn't then. Right, and that's my whole wow. thing. So you got to think about the, the mentality and everything that, that and especially with them, you're saying that they started as minors. Keep that in mind. As minors, minors are easier to manipulate into doing things. Even if they don't want to do it, they're still easier to manipulate. So when you, that's why, that's why I stated you don't know someone's backstory. And strip clubs are right. clubs for sex trafficking. Absolutely. Clubs for sex trafficking. So I'm so glad that you brought that story up because a lot of people don't look at um, the strip club and they won't. Um, they will not see anything wrong with it. Now, I'm not saying that all the strip clubs engage, okay, in the crime, but it's a lot. It's one of the hubs. It's where it brings. Right. Well, it could, it could be a hub from this sense, the, the, even from this sense, just to even be fast to some of the strip clubs. The strip club itself can be above board, but it absolutely attracts those who plan to explore and want to explore. Obviously absolutely. these young ladies started in a started in a club that obviously didn't care. Or I mean you know, one of them admitted to you know, using a fake ID the whole time or whatever. So again, mm-hmm. but I, I also can't imagine that they're not making a huge effort as long as she looks the part. You know what I mean? To us right. you know, mm-hmm. to us because one of them said she was 16. I can't, you know what I mean? I'm like, how, why, whatever. And she literally was telling me how afraid they were, like, their first night. And this was just about the stripping. I mean, I never got into how they actually started, you know, selling their bodies. So I never and, talked and what about led, that what part. what led you as a 16-year-old to begin your life as a stripper? That's not normal. That's not normal behavior. You just don't no, wake up one day uh, as a 16-year-old and say, you know what, I'm going to be a stripper. There's something else there. Now, we have to learn how to get to the root of what it is, because that's not normal behavior. And, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, I think that's where we should go for, right? 
No, absolutely. I think that's where we should go. For the callers that are out there, if you want to get in on this morning's discussion, I do need you to press 1 to let us know that you want to speak. Again, press 1, and we will get you on the air. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. Speaking of, like you say, what is that backstory that makes somebody even want to at 16? Um, Now, what I have done is read, uh, a few, in a sense, pimp memoirs or whatever. And something that I never forgot um, was, and this is something that seems consistent in a couple of them and following some stories other places as well, that, and this is not to take any responsibility off the trafficker, if you will, or whatever, right. but those backstories seem to apply mm-hmm for damn near everybody that's in that industry on either side of it. When I say, I'm talking about backstories that are difficult to listen to and hear about to the to where people can get to that point where they're on either end of it. And again, not taking any responsibility off of anyone. But that question is, I think, key for why we can't let it be cool to normalize this stuff to right. the extent that we've had <clears throat> We've, you know, we've we've at, we've asked the question on this show: Why is hip hop cool with the pimp culture? As you heard the Jay Z big, or whatever, you know these things. Because mm-hmm. I grew up desensitized to it in the ways that we're talking about. So as you, so we're really opening up that mirror to say, what is that young lady's backstory? You, you know, and 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 it includes. This is not to blame the music, but it's to understand how much it assists in desensitizing us to saying that's cool or thinking that mm-hmm. okay this guy's a drug dealer and this guy's a pimp we're thinking that's okay how do you see that and how do we is it necessary to change that to help the work that you're doing I guess is the question absolutely absolutely and whenever I go out to speak I always want to have the audience leave with understanding that we have to change that we just have to. It's like it's no exceptions to that. You just have to do it. So um, there, and I'm not going to blame like the Jay Z's and, and and the Fifty Cent for any of their songs, right? They're artists. They're they're free to say whatever it is that they want to say. I'm talking about we as people, right? As as the common folk. The only way, in my opinion that we're going to put a dent in this and combat human sex trafficking is by doing what we're doing now. We're having the conversation. We're bringing awareness to it. People have to educate themselves because as a parent, if you don't know what that is, then you can't educate your child. So then you can't make your child aware of the signs and the red flags and the way that traffickers lure their victims because it's not what we see on TV. It's not grabbing the child, throwing them in the van, and going. That's not what that is. Abduction is the rarest form of sex trafficking. It is as simple mm-hmm. as your child being at the bus stop and somebody just rolling up in the car and saying, hey, do you want to ride? Or your child being on social media and getting uh, uh, you know, direct messages from someone who's pretending to be of their age and telling them that they're cute and want to be a model. It's your child being in the mall window shopping for shoes and a guy come up to her and say, hey, you'll look beautiful with them shoes on. All of those stories, all of those things that I just mentioned are real life situations from victims that were exploited. 
It is that easy. So if we don't educate ourselves, we can't educate our children. So we can't give them the armor to protect themselves. Because when they That's are aware, so their risk is, 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 is a little lower, okay, when they are aware and they know what's going on. We have to do it, period. Now, that's so real. I mean, those simple examples, um, I'm, you know, I'm not, I think you know I love, I mean, you've, we've, you know, gotten to know each other. I do after school program. I, I love children. I love right. bringing these type of topics to the table to hopefully help out those who are parents. But I'm thinking for, I can, I can almost see how as hard as parenting is and as much as we mm. want to protect our children, I can also see how, when we have these conversations that we kind of are afraid of based on, like you said, sometimes afraid because of what we've done to be a part of it or, or play a role in it, I can almost see how because we don't want it to come to our front door, we actually don't have the conversations to equip them because right. it seems like such a, a, a difficult conversation. We, you know, can I, can I live in a place can I move somewhere where I don't have to worry about that stuff? Because I assume that it is the throw them in the car type thing. And as you said, right. that's not how it happens. Because I can definitely imagine that, mm-hmm. yeah, I can imagine that if I have a daughter and I'm sending her to the mall or you know, whatever the case may be, that's a very normal occurrence for a teenage, mm-hmm. you know, daughter. So why would I say, oh, no, you can't do that. But if I ain't gave her no game, Right. Right. We have I to can see how. To... No, please go for please, please go ahead. No, so what I was just going to say, we have to equip our children with the proper knowledge, so then they can, then they're able to protect themselves because it's out there. It is so out there, and I talk primarily to children. Right. I talk okay. to them because I'm trying to get to them before they become the woman. Because the average age and sexual exploitation is between 12 and 14. That's the average age oh in the God. entry of that life. So when I go out, I'm going out and I'm speaking to youth organizations and schools because I'm, I'm gearing to that age. I have a 14-year-old daughter. And so mm-hmm. I talk to her and I make her aware of all of the ways that the trafficker comes and, and get their victim. And it's almost always not the snatching and throwing you in the van. It is the building of a relationship. That's what it is. Traffickers smell the vulnerability of their victims, and they play on that. So it's important. We have to educate our children. We just have to. Man, and and, and, in the information age, in the technology age, in the social media age, speak to how that – how that relationship is being built because maybe you've gotten to the point where, you know, you've given more leeway to your child's usage of social media, right? You know, you've got probably, you got to protect it from certain sites, but at the same time, if, you know, maybe you're letting them chat with their friends or whatever. And now here you got somebody who they think is their friend, their age or whatever the case may be. Like, like what type of things do you, have what what should a parent look out for in the event that a trafficker is trying to befriend their child at whatever age, whether it's young, teenage years, whatever the case may be, uh, what type of things are you, know, are you looking for them uh, to look out for? Just let everybody know um, 
We I'm having a little trouble with the board. I got another guest that I want to get into. I want to put it out there. We're going to try to go to break here very quickly, but I want you to go ahead and answer that while I get the board fixed. Go ahead, Queen. Okay. But just like you said, one of the things that we can do as parents as far as social media protection against sex traffickers, because they're out there. So parents that are coming into our homes, right? You can monitor your teens or your child's internet and their social media usage. So you're able to put certain restrictions on them. Um, you know, make sure your teen, um, ask your teen not to uh, tag their pictures and share their location. Talk to your teen or your child about the type of poses that they're using on social media because there are predators that are out there, okay? And just make them aware that if they get an inbox or a message or they get something from someone on the other end and it makes them feel uncomfortable or they have that feeling inside, to come and make you aware ASAP. So those are some of the things that parents can do to help um, protect their children from traffickers on social media. Uh, these are things you have to be equipped with because we know we're using social media more and more. Um, it can mm-hmm. be very addictive. So if we're spending a lot of time on there, gives them a lot of time. I think I saw somewhere when just kind of researching for the show that it's like ten to 16,000 just ads that pop up that are directly coming from traffickers daily mm-hmm. um, via the Internet or whatever. So these traffickers know, in a sense, that they can get away with it. Uh, with that said, we're going to go to a quick cut, but I want people to hear how exploitive this industry is. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Pimps in Atlanta were bringing in about an average of $32,833 a week. A week. A week. A week. Weekly cash incomes between 2005 and 2011. In Dallas, it was $12,025. Denver, $31,200. Kansas City, $5,000. In Miami, it was $17,741. San Diego, $11,129. And you get the picture. They made a lot of money per week. So it turns out it's not hard out there for a pimp. No. We've been misled. I'm outraged by this. By the way, here's who's making $5,000 a week in Kansas. No one else. I know. <laughs> I mean, they're making more in the bigger cities, but that's a great amount of money to make in a place like Kansas. So oftentimes what happens with people who are in the sex trade um, is they want to get out. They want to go into it because they need to pay for tuition or their education or they need to provide for their family. And then they get to a point where they feel comfortable enough to leave and then they get a so-called respectable job. As soon as they do that, they realize that they're not making any money. So they go right back into it. And, I mean, you can't really blame them. If you're making $32,000 a week, how are you going to find something that competes with that? Yeah. Look, even if you got a great job, you're not going to make anywhere near that no. kind of money. There's so no way. It's, it's very tempting. Now, look, of course, there's huge downsides to pimping, and, and especially as it regards to other people. So you shouldn't do it for moral reasons. But if you're talking about financial reasons, it's kind of a no-brainer. So let's talk about the education level because there is this huge misconception that Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, human sex trafficking, what you don't know. Special guest, Aninga Taylor, certified anti-human sex trafficking. We also have another special guest on the line with us. Raymond Lockhart, thank you this morning, King, for being with us. Well, I understand you are a behavior case manager supervisor, but if you will, King, say hello to the truth seekers, give whatever background you need to give in reference to this morning's discussion, and I want to get into the cut 
that we just heard? Because I know you, from what I understand, you you see people from what you do that come from that in trafficking as well. Unfortunately, thanks again. Thanks again for being with us, King. Say hello to the truth seekers and give us your background. Peace. Good morning, and thank you for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure. Um, as for myself, as you mentioned, I am a supervisor of a case management team who works with individuals who have co-occurring disorders. This entails substance abuse as well as mental health disabilities. So my experience with individuals who have been a part of sex trafficking comes into play with the women who have reached an older age. You know, these women are the ones who have been misused, abused, and then tossed to the side because they are no longer that mm-hmm. young, attractive figure and face that is so desired by, by so many people, you know, in the sex business. But the thing I want to mention is that what's common with a lot of these ladies is how the beginning happened, you know, and mm-hmm. I heard some discussions with regards to people choosing to be a part of this life. And that is the case sometimes. But a lot of times people are manipulated into being in this Mm -hmm. line of so-called work. And when I say manipulated, you have individuals that and I use the term that Domingo mentioned earlier, who prey on other individuals. And this praying comes to or comes upon individuals in their state of vulnerability, you know, and when they're able to be is easily manipulated. And this happens when young ladies and you have to keep in mind it's not always young ladies. There is a a I'm not sure the statistics, but there are some Young boys, young males who get caught up in the same thing as well. That's true. But when it comes to, you know, the majority within the statistic, and we'll speak about the young ladies for right now, when it comes to them, a lot happens with their home and their home environment. A lot happens with regards to neglect, abuse. And that abuse comes in a lot of different shapes and forms. It could be physical abuse. It could be sexual abuse. It could be emotional or mental abuse. You know, it comes from having a poverty background or upbringing that is just too hard to bear. And what happens is that a lot of times these young girls run away from home because of these things. Mm. And when they're running away from home, they're running away from home because they're missing out on something or they're not being heard or they're not being understood or not being listened to. And so they leave that environment thinking and hoping that they'll find something new, something better. But once they leave that environment, regardless of how hard or harsh or abusive it may have been, they have put themselves in an even more state of vulnerability because they're, now they're really out on their own and oftentimes without any type of financial means. And then you have individuals who sees this, watches them, 
and then talks to them. Talks to them in a, in a in a manner which is, I guess, so to say, comforting. You know, giving the illusion of security. You know, belonging. At the same time, no, absolutely. Introducing, yeah, give them. I'm gonna give you a place friend, to stay. I'm gonna get you something to eat. You're hungry right now. Exactly. I'll look out for you. What What's going on at home? Oh, I will never treat you this way. Very easy to do with that state of vulnerability. Absolutely. Exactly. That's the psychological control. That's one of the main that, controls that traffickers use. Exactly. Exactly. You know, take them out shopping. You know, at the same time, introducing a variety of drugs within their lives. Mm-hmm. And then wind up getting them addicted to them drugs. And now, now speaking of that, because that's where you're, that's where, I mean, that's why you're seeing them from what I understand based on your work, uh, because that is yes. such a common practice, unfortunately. And I will say, especially in that quote unquote industry, as we speak now, because again, um, growing up, have, again, having read the memoirs, admittedly, even fascinated with the life, just again, just to learn about it, read about it. I mean, I love gathering information anyway, but I can admit Again, because I was desensitized to it, right? So I was interested in reading these memoirs, and I read them, and it kept kept my interest. I even see where some of the quote-unquote famous pimps that we've heard of that, you know, in a sense made a name for themselves in that industry, you hear the older pimps talk about how the drug part was the thing that they attempted to avoid, and they feel like the, today's industry uses the drugs to exploit it way more than even they would have. Not not trying to make one better than the other, but I'm just bringing that to the table. How even at one point, whatever rules or standards they had, the last thing they wanted was for a, a, a girl to be strung out because they felt like it made her ineffective. Whereas now, what you're, I'm pretty sure you're seeing more of this because according to them, the younger guys use the drugs as a way to control them, and so I'm, I, I can only imagine how much you're seeing that. Uh, Raymond, from what from what you do again, I'm just throwing it out there as a perspective, just watching this world speak about their life. I hear what you're saying, but I don't want to glorify no area of pimping, you know, because um, the women who I presently come across in my line of work, or as I said earlier, older women, mm-hmm. you know, in their forties in their 50s, maybe late 30s. Wow. Who are highly addicted to drugs. And, like I said, have been tossed aside by so-called pimps or whatever the case may be because they're no longer that young, attractive figure. So now these women, because they have been fostered in that lifestyle for so long, now these individuals who are out there doing it as, I guess would say, for themselves, without a pimp. So let me, let me, just, let me just say this um, real quick, Raymond and Masoya. Um, I'm glad that you brought up the fact about runaways because I want the, the listeners to understand when I say to educate your child, one in three runa- runaways are um, – begin to be uh, sexually exploited within 48 hours. 
That's one in three runaways within two days. So I always tell if any children are listening or parents, you know, I always tell children that you don't run away. If you need to run away, you go to a different room in the house. Do not leave because um, runaways or people that were sexually assaulted are at a higher risk of being trafficked. I also wanted to point out that we're talking about human sex trafficking. So I wanted to be very clear that there is no consent. You cannot give your consent to be a victim of human sex trafficking. I will repeat that until I'm blue in the face because I don't want anyone to think something differently, that any victim of human sex trafficking, that's not a choice. Not what we're discussing today. No, no I, I love it. I love it. I'm- no, I love it because we're about to go to another. Yeah, we're gonna to go to another quick break here. But the reason I love the fact that you keep saying that is because I'm never gonna forget what you just said earlier this this in in this show when you were talking about growing up exactly where you grew up, right in the middle of it, and how you thought nothing of you know like you said maybe some older woman right. that's out there doing it. But now I have a complete you know like that's a complete victim period versus having no sympathy or understanding that that person right. is a victim. We thought it was by choice. Today it is clear yeah. to me that has never been by choice based on just a little right. bit I'm learning today. So I great great and, keep and, hitting that on the head. We actually forget to break, Raymond. I'm sorry. I'm gonna do this quick break and then I'll get your thought coming out of the break. Listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Well, all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Square Business Entertainment brings you their latest hit, I Really Want You by Taylor Pace. Take a listen. If you're loving this as much as I am, be sure to go to their YouTube page and subscribe. Search for Square Business Entertainment. They are also rewarding their fans with a new release every 30 days. Here's another one by Taylor Pace. Love can't define this. Love can define this. Can capture all your sweetness and your kindness. Love can define it. We're crippled in love with only blind us. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Special guest this morning for the discussion question, human sex trafficking, what you don't know, Domingo Taylor, as well as Raymond Lockhart. Raymond, before the break, I think you were making a comment, so go ahead, King. I wanted to um, go back to what Domingo mentioned with regards of the um, the runaways. 
oftentimes because of the various issues that these young girls are facing in their lives, like the neglect and abuse and things of that nature, these things result in a form of depression. Mm-hmm. And it often causes an individual to face what is called fight or flight. You know, mm-hmm. some fight and seek help through the means of communicating their challenges to a trusted individual, you know, who can provide some type of support and resources. And that's what these young ladies need, someone that will hear them and listen and help them, you know. But then you have others who choose flight. And with a good portion of them, flight results in suicide. And with another good portion, it results in them running away. And then becoming vulnerable to these individuals preying upon them. So we have to provide our children. We have have to provide our children when they are in those type of situations what to do. If you cannot speak to or if your home life is, is, is just horrible and you cannot deal with whatever it is that's going on in your house, then I will highly suggest that you go to whomever your religious leader may be. You go to an auntie, an uncle, a grandma, a counselor at school, a teacher, a trusted adult to have that conversation with them. So to avoid that, because if we, if we start teaching our children that if you run away, you're at one in three to be exploited in 24 hours, if we teach them what that risk is, then perhaps mm-hmm. they would choose another outlet versus the running right. away because there are other ways that they can deal with um, their situation without running away and getting out there on those streets. Because like you said, Randy, yeah, it's only going to make that situation worse. No, absolutely. And, and, yeah, at least at least make them, yeah, if, if they feel there's no way out other than get out of the house, we got to let them know, like you said, or make them aware of running away is way more dangerous than that situation at home. Please choose another alternative. So, yes, making them aware. Here's a big part, and Raymond, I don't know how long you're going to be able to stay with us this morning, so I want to get this out. My concern always has been, again, even for my curiosity on the level that I mentioned, um, but I've also read memoirs of people who experienced this on the other end. Those, Those memoirs never left me, right? And so, and I wish I could even think of the, one of the major ones I read. I can't think of the name of it right now. Hollywood recommended, but anyway, it slips my mind. But I, rem- I remember this story. This same person that they had ran away, and this lady is somebody that's been able to turn their life around. So they have this amazing um, memoir about turning their life around. But when they ran away, started getting exploited, you know, in this manner. And their initial exploit wasn't someone trafficking them. It was strangers. You know, like you said, somebody's hungry that literally saw a beautiful sister that said, hey, for some sex, I'll give you some money. And so she obviously did that. But the thing that always stood out to me as I was reading her memoirs is this thing right here. The reason this is a multi-billion dollar business is the demand. And I'm talking about the demand to even sleep with younger girls because as you've already explained to me, if they're under 18 – it's exploitation. It's criminal, period, point blank, uh, period, uh-huh. point blank. Mm-hmm. But the demand has been there for a long damn time, and the demand is why someone might choose to, in Atlanta to try to go make that pimp money because the demand That's is right. there. Let's talk about that part 
versus the traffickers who were taking advantage mm-hmm. of the public's demand, if you will. Well, yeah. let me let me um let me mention two points with regards to that. One is that that young girl who is being offered these various different things in exchange for sex, we can't forget about the drugs that's being introduced into the equation. And drugs incapacitate an individual. And drugs make an individual dependent. And once you do that to an individual, as well as the mental manipulation you're perpetrating on that individual, then you can coerce, force that individual to do certain things. And these girls, you know, are being sold and traded to other pimps in other cities to do what we know they're doing. But regardless... Right, well, let that, me throw this out. Let me just rip, Raymond, not, I'm sorry to interrupt you. And again, like, I'm actually just talking about the receiving end demand, like, yes, before we yes, get back to what the traffickers yes, are doing and how the, they're doing it. With regards, with regards to the demand, you know, we live in a very highly sexualized society. Very highly sexualized. Everything is sexualized, you know? And what it does, it, it just drives individual, individuals, rather, to display lack of control, not have any discipline, no self-awareness. So therefore, they do anything and everything to fulfill certain desires. When it comes to this, uh, it is a sexual desire. And so if you are out of control and you have this desire that you're trying to fulfill, then you're going to go and try to find somewhere or someplace or someone that you can get that desire filled real quick for small nominal fee. And yeah, let me let me jump in real quick, Raymond. Yeah, absolutely. Let me, let me jump let in me. real quick. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm coming right to you. So, so absolutely, yeah, yeah, like explaining the detail to why or how somebody does it, I get that. What I, I guess what I'm trying to relate this to, and maybe you kind of take it from here, I'm trying to relate it to how we started out this conversation talking about how as society we we don't want to have this conversation. Well, when you start talking about demand, that might be playing a huge role in why we're yeah. not having this conversation. And that's yeah. kind of the perspective. So go ahead, Domingo. I'm just kind of throwing it like when I talk about demand, that's the concern I have and, and how much of that plays a role in this whole industry being so exploited. Go ahead, Queen. Right. So what I was going to say is you're absolutely right. As far as uh, the human sex trafficking, you know, the economic principle is what? Supply and demand. So if there was no demand, there would be no supply. But one of the things here in the state of Georgia, the GBI, which is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, they are also focusing on the buyers. See, because like before, we were focused on the victim, the victims of sex trafficking, right, which are, you know, very important. But we now have to also start focusing on the buyers because a lot of the times when victims are when they're of age, they can be over the age of 18, right? And they are arrested. They're, they're getting the charges. The traffickers get to go away. The buyers get to go away. And so we as a society or we as a people or as a, a law of officials, 
um, organizations, we need to focus on the buyers because that is the way that we're going to end it because it is, like you said, the supply and the demand. And then you got to think about that industry. Like Montoya said, worldwide, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. In Atlanta, it's $290 million. So we do have to start focusing on um, the demand part of trafficking. And um, and I just and I, want to point – go ahead. No, 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 I was going to say, and as I, I hear you say all of that. They are. I wanted to point out who the buyers right. are. Okay, so it's a misconception that the buyers are, you know, some guys that wear the, band, the pants saggy and they work on a corner block or at McDonald's. But you got to understand, if this is a multi-billion dollar industry, 290 yeah. in Atlanta, the buyers, they have the money. They have the indisposable income. Where they're able to provide, where they're able to provide the traffickers with the money over and over and over again. Your buyers can be your law officials. Your buyers can be your judges, your lawyers, your teachers. So we have to really start honing in on that if we're going to truly put a dent to it. Yeah, let me add one other thing. I'll let you jump back in, Raymond. You know, absolutely. Um, just to even, you know, again, just doing a little research for the show, um, that same study that that gave us the $290 million, I also want to throw that out, that that was actually back in 2007. So we're talking about yes, 2019. Mm-hmm. So I'm clueless exactly. to what the number has expanded to because when I hear you talk about the laws, when you think about the laws, think about it from this perspective. The way the laws are on the books, basically reflects how how we as society see the, that idea of sex and choice by the fact that the laws were so heavy, heavily pointed at those who were most exploited versus not really for a long time, not really having laws for the buyers to a certain extent. Yeah, it is a new focus. True. It is necessary. And when you talk about who's actually buying a study and you know, that same study that gave us the the thirty thousand a week also figured out why they did that. You know, comprehensive study of, of Atlanta that in Atlanta specifically, when you say who people think it is, well, they figured out sixty five percent of the buyers yep. live in the suburbs and come live to the city to actually take mm-hmm. part in this industry. Sixty five percent, as you said, yep. those with the income. So it's absolutely. The very upstanding people who you, you, you would never think are the ones that are taking part in this le- illegal action. So now, in my opinion, hence this is why you got a slow roll of the laws exactly. that's going to affect this so-called buyer based on who's participating. Just to kind of throw that all out there. Go ahead, Raymond. I know we've got you for a few more minutes, so go ahead, King. No, I, I completely agree with what Domingo was saying. Um, it's the individuals who we're not looking at, you know, the, the businessmen, the politicians, the individuals who have that income, as well as the common individual. It's not just those. It's the common individual as well, you know. True. And Absolutely. we have to start there. You know, we have to start, if there's going to be as far as anything with regards of consequences, you know, to curb this and eventually put this to an end, we have to go at the individuals who are um, 
facilitating and participating. You know, so with regards to the ones who are purchasing, then there need to be more stringent laws. Right. As well as education. Well, when we start doing that... Yes, absolutely. When we start doing that, that'll be us as a society taking this thing more serious because right now when we hear these astronomical numbers, that kind of blows your mind. Again, you know, we don't hope it doesn't come to our back door. So when you hear these numbers, they blow your mind. But the reality is that's the chance to look in the mirror and say, well, what the hell hell are we doing as a society? The fact Mm -hmm. that we haven't done the the very things that y'all are suggesting still is a reflection of how we as a society see these things. So in my mind, as I go through this conversation with both of you, we shouldn't be surprised by these numbers because we're kind of proving as a society we don't care. Clearly, Mm -hmm. we clearly don't care based on our actions legally um, you know, we you know in 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 the in the legal system, we are at the top of the hour. So um, let me check with you, uh, Raymond. How much time do you have? We'll keep you on for the next segment if you're available. But it's up to you, King. I don't want to keep you in mess up your Saturday. Listen, I'm, as as much as I am still in this topic, and as much as I want to continue to engage, I do have some um, other obligations that I have to tend to. Nice, um, it was definitely. Well, I appreciate you for your time. Honor and the pleasure. You know, honor and the pleasure. You know, you have a heavyweight with you in uh, the former Dominga, and she is ready, willing, and more than capable. Thank uh, you, well, thank you for your time, King. We definitely appreciate it. You brought some things to the table I hadn't thought about. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. Let it flow. Just to see the love. Have to follow protocol. 
Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Team, along with special guest, Dominga Taylor. This morning's discussion question, human sex trafficking, what you don't know. You just heard a cut from Square Business Entertainment's Taylor Pace. They are one of our sponsors. I love their real R&B. Again, like to highlight that that's what they're doing because we don't hear a lot of that no more these days. So I love the, the music they bring to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, if I could point that out. But getting back into this morning's discussion, human sex trafficking, what you don't know. For the callers out there on the line, if you want to get in, you will need to press 1 to let us know. And please give us your three cents on this discussion. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691, and press 1 to let us know you would like to speak. To me, I'll say to share this with you. Anytime I'm doing topics of this nature, any the calls, I, I see people, they're listening. And, again, not to make, I'm not trying to force anybody to call in, but it just always reminds me of how much we don't like talking about these things. Like each week I'll have three to five callers, sometimes more, but there's a few subjects. This one, domestic violence, sexual Mm -hmm. assault. Yeah. And I'm cool with it. My numbers, the the numbers are not high. Some of the more controversial shows, you know, that's that's understandable. Um, But people being comfortable talking about this is how if you think about what we were just saying previous to the break of how, in my eyes, we actually shouldn't be surprised at these numbers because of how much right. we as a society, if we're honest, choose not to deal with these things. And because we're not dealing with them, then those who want to exploit it take fully advantage of us, in a sense, choosing to ignore it. Because that's pretty much, yeah. if we're going to be honest, that's kind of what yeah. we're doing. We're choosing that's exactly what we're doing. to ignore yeah. it. Please speak on it, Queen. Please. I, I agree with you totally. That's exactly what we're doing. Um, even in my circle, right, in my personal circle, once I started um, educating myself and um, went out to get my certification under Ambassadors United, you find out so many different aspects and different ways of trafficking. And one of the things that I did quickly want to point out about the buyers you know how you may go to a restaurant and you ask for a Caesar salad, or you may go to the bar and you're asking for, I don't know, a lemon drop. You may not care how they make that. You just want your Caesar salad and you want your lemon drop, right? Some buyers mm-hmm. are exactly like that. They could care less if the, if the victim is 15, 25. They don't care about that. They came for one thing, one thing specifically, and that's it. So I wanted to make that very aware because you touched on it mm-hmm. earlier when you said we are a society that don't care. Right? We just simply don't care. And I don't, for the life of me, um, I don't get it. I can't wrap my mind around why we're not having the conversation, especially when, if we listen to the news or or listen uh, to the radio, we know that this is out there. It's not going anywhere. It's the second largest crime industry to drugs. It had already surpassed the gun trade because at first it was third, now it's second. Mm-hmm. So it's not going anywhere. And it's right here in our backyards in Atlanta. And so if you really think as a parent, and I'm going to come hard for parents now, right? 
because I encourage you to find out what it is. I encourage you to know the flags, the signs, even the myths, so then you can set the record straight. You have to communicate this to your children because then guess what? If you don't, you're not preparing them for it because it's out there. So many children don't realize that they've already been connected and contacted with the trafficker on social media. They're on Snapchat, TikTok, um, the other one I think it's called Kive. They're on like 26 internet sites. So I'm pretty sure your child ran across one at some point. And so if you if you stay in that state of this is an uncomfortable topic, then how are you educating your child and how are you equipping them with the armor they need to protect themselves against it? They really need right, to ask to you. that question. Right. Because I'm listening to you as much as if I'm not doing that, if I'm not doing my due diligence when it, diligence when it comes to this, what's clearly happening is, those on the the traffickers are doing all of their diligence. They're coming up with all <laughs> of their ways to exploit. Even down to I, I remember this, uh, this case in the last couple of years. I think it happened here in the Georgia area. I may be wrong about this part, but here was a I, I would consider this a and this is, this was probably common within the industry, but because I hadn't heard of it as often, I'm calling it unique, right? But you know maybe within the maybe this happens all the time within the industry itself. But the people that are you know really exploited with the with the trafficking, to the extent where literally they found a ring. And I think this happened in Georgia, a ring of mm-hmm. young girls being trafficked. But the way they were doing it was like this to me, and you probably are probably familiar with this case or whatever. But literally, it wasn't a runaway from home thing. The girls were going home every day, but yeah. after school. The, the parents thought they were doing after-school stuff. I don't know if it was necessarily at school or some other activity or, or hanging out, but the traffickers were literally just exploiting them for that period of time. They come, go directly to them, you know, make their money with the, the girls and send them home every day for dinner. Like this had been yeah. going on for a period of time, and they finally busted the ring, but that's literally how the ring was getting away with it. So, they were literally sending the girls home every day. Yeah, that's true because they don't. It's not. It's not. There are some situations that happen exactly like that, where they don't have. They're not housing four girls, five girls. You know, they may just send them home. They may pick them up after school, and then take them back to their home, and then the men come to them, and they send them on back home. Those type of things happen. Parents are out here trafficking their own children. Parents oh man, don't tell it. me that. And so that just gives yeah, you. Yeah, I know I haven't heard that when before. You hear but that, right? yeah. Parents are out here trafficking their children for their drug use, or there's a situation where a young girl, she was about 15, 16 years old, and a lot of the times the victims, when they know their trafficker, right? Because Slightly over 40% of victims know they're traffickers. So when you really think about that, right, that means that that's a family member, that is someone, uh, that's a relative, that's someone very, very close to them, right? So the girl didn't realize that she was being trafficked by her mother. She just simply said, well, you know, I was helping my mom with the bills. She didn't realize. She that didn't was realize her perspective. That 
Her perspective right. was so, exactly so you think what about, you said. Right. So when you think about her journey, what that's going to look like to actually, first she has to come to terms that she was a victim of sex trafficking, right? She has to come to the terms right. that she's the victim and her mother, her mother is her trafficker. And so then that's the type of situations that Raymond deals with when they become older. And like he mentioned, one girl, one lady, and she said, well, they got rid of her or something like that, he said, and they, she went on as a 40-year-old and then started deciding to sell her body. But think, think about what her journey world was way back when. You know, it's a lot right. that goes into the recovery once they are rescued and once they become survivors. So I, I don't understand why we don't want to have this conversation and why we don't want to educate ourselves. We just want to remain in the ignorant state. Well, it's one thing you said, and this is not a it's not a complete answer, but I consider it the start of of why this is the case. Okay. It, and it's simply the statement that has always been there. You know, or, or that or that common statement is the oldest profession. You know what I mean? Like it was like that term is always used when it comes to the concept of pimping and even becoming aware of or, you know, where the term hooker comes from back way back when, even in this country, right, the, the actual term itself being related to, you know, I guess a general in the military, in the you know, in the military, if you're familiar with the name hooker or whatever. But either way, mm-hmm. there's this concept in all of our minds that no matter my involvement, even if I were to try to stop it, we have this concept of this is what humans are going to do. I think our rationalization typically is that kind of out where we started out earlier. Our rationalization is that for the most part, it's these adult, like we, we have a concept that they're getting exploited by their traffic or their pimp, right? We have a concept of it, you know, to a certain extent. It's like the people are not naive to that. But we like, we like, we really like to believe it's a 22-year-old woman. And again, I'm not saying this, this is better, right. but we like to believe that right. because the number, because what we don't want to hear is the percentage of how many of them are minors, right? Because right. at that point, we we bury in our heads because when we hear that number, then we do feel guilty. We I'm just talking about the psychology of it because if I could not know that number, ignorance is bliss. If I could not know how many right. kids are getting exploited, then I can go on about my life, you know, and I can just look mm-hmm. down on the 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 you know the man or even the woman that for that matter but mostly you know men that are pulling up and ordering like the buffet who are also as you said not caring mm-hmm. of the exploitation of the actual girl itself but we just want to look down on the man who chooses to do it like that's how so that gets that plays right. a role in why we're burying our heads because if I become aware of this damn it don't I have to do something about this I right. would think right. that I would have to do something about this. And so, you know, as good as as a, as a, as much information as you have, I am going to be interested in how many people actually took the time to listen to the show. I'll share the numbers with you, you know, to be in a week when I get them, but I'm just saying these are the shows that I don't we don't resonate. And these are the shows that we need to resonate because our children are in need of our help. I mean, you know, and I'm not saying that in a way that I want to overplay it, that people should just be completely fearful, but the reality is in this information social media age, 
they're getting more mm-hmm. creative. And if and if you are at least aware that, you know, again, it can happen to the best of homes. Like when you look at the when you really study it, you see that there's no demographic that this this that this industry does not touch. That is a hundred percent reality if you were to to look into it. But when you think of in a sense those who are available to be exploited the most. We try to reassure that if I'm not in that situation, then I should be good. But for all of those right. out there who 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 do, who are having a difficult relationship with their child, so maybe you know you don't want your child in it, but if that is the situation and and it is some abuse going on, you're gonna be more susceptible. And if you're not paying attention to this information that Domingo's, that's kind of it ends up being really on you to not equip. Your children. Right. We are up against the break. I'm gonna let you come out of the break uh, with your response. Listen to the okay. Mission Dialogue Talk Show. Well, all I ask is that you think. Karate for Children is offered every Sunday at Mount Vernon Presbyterian Church Gymnasium from 2:45 to 4:15 p.m. for ages 5 to 14 years old. Children will learn Japanese karate as well as self-defense prevention skills to handle today's situation, like bullying and child abductions. For only $10 a class, children will gain confidence, self-control, and focus, all while having fun and getting good physical fitness. There are no bench warmers because everyone participates. Come join our family every Sunday at 471 Mount Vernon Highway, Northeast, Sandy Springs, Georgia, 30328. For more information, call B-Champs at 770-643-1286. Again, that number is 770-643-1286. I've never had to beat them or nothing like that, but fighting is like a criteria. You know, it's like the jewelry, the clothes, and all that, the cars is a criteria. It do happen. It's part of the game. You know what I mean? Because you got to establish a certain thing. You got to establish some fear in that female in order to get that respect. You must establish that. And she's going to try you to see if you qualified to get that respect from her. So it's going to bring some fear. And, when, and, and what I'm saying is, Violent, you know what I mean, and 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 it's something that don't have to take place, but it do take place because you're establishing something here that I am the one that you listen to and believe in, and nobody else. And you know, like I said, when I had to fight the girl, it wasn't for money, you know what I mean. Maybe you left the stroll and I told you not to. You know what I mean? You know, when you violate certain things, you have to check them. If you do it, you know what I mean, verbally, okay. But in the pimp game, it don't necessarily work like that. You have to really put your feet down. You know what I mean? You have to really show that girl. You have to almost, if you told that girl you was going to kill her, when it comes time to fight, you have to almost tell her to beg you to say, Daddy, no, please don't kill me. It has to be that serious. I remember, do you know uh, Kat Sex? Are you familiar with her? When she was prostituting, um, one of the girls that was working with her, you know, the pimp had a, uh, a no-drug rule in, uh, you know, with, with his stable. And uh, one of the girls had sniffed some coke with her pinky, 
and uh, the pimp had actually cut her pinky off. Well, that was that's that's, that's horrible. I don't yeah. think it need to go that deep. I mean, it need to be understanding because see, you have to understand the reason my game was so uh, sufficient and live was because I believe that we are humans, and that's the understanding. You can't think that you're dealing with dogs and things. You got to treat these people like humans and get an understanding. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, human sex trafficking, what you don't know. Our special guest is Domingo Taylor, a certified anti-human sex trafficking advocate, as we just heard a cut. Um, some of you may have heard of Bishop Don Juan, who had a long history of pimping and now kind of uses his former self as a character. And, you know, since, again, from what I understand, out of the industry, or if you want to call it that, or just speaking about his time in the industry and the level of violence that he, as you heard him just say, that he felt was necessary in order to control and exploit uh, a woman from time to time. And then you hear, in my mind, the demented perspective, even at this age having done it, uh, when he hears of another example that seems to be a little harsher than what he may have done, that's when he's like, okay, well, you don't treat them like that. And it just kind of gets into the the, the the dynamic of what, you, for example, when you were talking about, Domingo, of, of that young daughter having to realize her mama was exploiting her. So it just kind of, that cut to me kind of opens up people to what's really happening in that game, for one. And two, it lets us hear the mindset that doesn't make sense for those of us who would never be a part of that or allow ourselves to be a part of it. But I think we have to speak to it if we're going to get an understanding of the public of what we're ignoring, if that makes sense. Go ahead, Queen. Right. You're absolutely right. Sex, human sex trafficking, it, it should confuse you. It should shake you. It should make you feel uncomfortable because there's nothing natural to that. That's not our natural instinct to sell girls, to sell women. But that's exactly what's going on. So you said, you mentioned earlier as a hypothetical that, um, you know, we as society, we may want to believe that the victims of human sex trafficking are of age, right, are 22 and 24. But let, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about numbers. Everyone loves numbers, right? So let's do that. Right. Since you want to believe the notion that they are adults, well, if the average entry is between 12 and 14, that's not an adult. We're talking about this is happening to children because that's the right. average age of entry. So right. even though that 12-year-old grows up to be 22, her average age of entry is between 12 to 14. That's on the average number, right? So when right. we think about it that way, this is happening to children. So are we so cold-hearted as a society that we can look another way when that child is being sold to multiple buyers every day, on average three to four times a day? The trafficker or the buyer could care less about this victim. The trafficker wants their money. There, there was a situation happening right here in Atlanta during an outreach where it's, it's, it's certain areas in Atlanta that's higher with trafficking, right? The young lady was out mm-hmm. there, and her trafficker was in a cut. He was in a parking lot. You can't see him, right? And there was an outreach right. going on, and they give out a rose 
right, to the, to, the, to the women out there, to let them know that I simply see you as a human. She tossed right. the rose every time. About maybe that fourth time when, that, when the, the person came around, she took the rose because attached to the rose was contact information for ways to escape. The reason why, once she called the number, she tossed the rose is because her trafficker was just in the parking lot. And he saw the first interaction and told her she better not ever take that rose. Meanwhile, he had her son, three-year-old, in the hotel. So that's her way of oh, always coming back. Because a lot of people don't understand, like, well, why don't they just leave? It's the same thing with domestic violence. It's psychological. It's right. psychological. And you never know what that threat is. That threat to that 12-year-old, that child is, I will kill your entire family. The 12-year-old going to believe that. Or if you go to the police and you tell, they're going to lock you up. So it's all psychological. So when we talk about, yeah, it's just happening to adults, no, no. The average entry is 12 to 14. So when you think about it like that and you hear that, I hope it do make you feel uncomfortable. So uncomfortable enough that you now want to have the conversation or you now want to educate yourself so you can educate your friends, your family, and your children. So I want to make you uncomfortable. No, absolutely. That's why we're doing this conversation. For the callers that just got in, if you're trying to speak, you do need to press 1 to let me know that you want to speak on this morning's uh, topic, this morning's discussion question. So, again, press 1. If you're online, 646-787-1691, You do need to press 1 after calling in to let us know you want to speak. Um. Yeah, can't we can't we can't play around with how we want to rationalize it, right? To, if for the most right. part, anything in our own lives, if we're honest, once you go to kind of rationalizing, that's when you're playing with yourself, right? You're playing with, in a sense, you're not being honest with yourself, and because right. you, if you, you know, if this is not something that you are experiencing firsthand, then it becomes easier to rationalize someone else's pain away. But this is something that easily hits home. When you think about the demand, which we never yeah. talk about. Again, we've talked about it already, but I think we still have to come full circle to demand because demand is, especially being in Atlanta, and so, you know, we're talking about the strip club, strip club capital of the country, literally more strip clubs here than anywhere else, even Miami, for right. example, being the international hub. So now we've become one of the leading cities in the world for and, and mm-hmm. for human sex trafficking trafficking because of the international moving of body humans because it's easier to do mm-hmm. it in crowded crowded airports and things of that nature. So now you're seeing right. people come even exploring through coming through Atlanta to go to other parts of the world. Um even yep. another number that we take people like numbers finding out that worldwide eighty percent of human sex trafficking is coming from this country when people think more explorative of the Philippines and places in South right. America, well, hey, where's the drugs come in the country? Well, here's where they're coming to get the bodies. Like it's like right. it's, exactly. it's time for America to open up to how we see this thing and what, in fact, we are doing to be a part and create and push the demand. And that comes right. from, yes, while, yes, each of us have our, it is one of the most natural desires, 
that we have, one that can take over us, right, our sexual desires, if you don't have discipline and things of that nature, and we all contend with it on all levels and have to get some level of maturity. But to the extent that as a society, in some ways, we've unfortunately somehow made it okay to exploit children. I'm talking about, you know, all the way to the extent that when we think of the unfortunate Catholic Church scandals of you know of the last decade right. and things of that nature, even when those were brought to the table, the culprits in most cases still received limited punishment. Right. Which still speaks to how we're really we don't want to say this, but and again, it's not about you. If you're hearing what I'm about to say as an individual and you're not okay with it, so I'm not speaking to you from the standpoint of you personally being okay with it, but the fact that a lot of people desire and are okay with having sex with children is why this is so damn exploitive. Right. This is why and they look at this who? demand they look, exists. And we're looking at women as a commodity, Right. We're looking at it as a market. So we also have to change that as well on how we perceive women. And Raymond did say that it does, and it does. It happens to boys. Boys can get uh, trafficking as well. But the majority is women and children. So the majority is women and children, but the boys can be trafficked in the same way a uh, girl or a woman can. Mm-hmm. So we, we do have to start looking, changing the way we perceive even the women you know we I, I, as a woman as a woman i am not a commodity i'm not for sale i'm not your piece of meat i'm not your market and we also need to understand that even though that average age is 12 buyers are buying infants it's happened here right in georgia where there was a sex ring that was the uh the authorities was able to arrest them and what they were doing, they were putting them on the Internet, the black market, and they will state like a three-month-old infant as a three-month-old oh lab, Labrador retriever. So that's how we'll go out oh into the God. black market. And mothers were selling their infants to buyers. So you see how that, see that what happens is, you just received, yes. Montoya? It gives you those chills, right? These right, are the types right. of, what these are to the individuals well, well, that we Let me speak with. on that real quick. Let me speak on that real quick. So mm-hmm. that same chill or that same devastation that I just responded, I want to talk about the psychology of that. The thing what happens is that's why we don't want to pay attention. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, like, you feel me? Like that feeling, you know, I just want to reduce it to that, you know, just being, I'm just speaking real 100 with you. I just want to speak it to, that's a sick motherfucker. Like, that's a sick person. Right. And, I want, to, and I want to leave it there. You feel yep. me? I want to leave it over there with these sick people that I don't want nothing to do with, you know. Right. But we just recently see the, the 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 guy that hangs himself recently, the billionaire that hangs himself recently, right? Because he don't want to come to trial based on their black market mm-hmm. ring of these exploitation of children. And so, if you think about what Domingo just said that when you started talking about average age or what ends up in, so that's what ends up being included. Because, again, see, I don't even know if people hear you right when you say the average age of entry is 12 to 14. Like, 
Because, mm. again, in our mind, even the way we want to rationalize that is, dang, they're getting them as early as 12 to 14. But when you say average, right. no, that's letting me know mm. they're getting them way younger than that. The mean, yep. the average comes in at 12 to 14. The average comes but, in at 12. Right. So that means there's plenty more, much younger. Yes, uh, there are more that are much younger. Mm-hmm. Because that's how you get average of 12 to 14. But they have to be. If that's the average, you know, not that this is better, but Domingo, I would rather hear you say that's the bottom of when they're getting in. Not that that's better, right? Not that I'm, you know know what I mean? But when I hear you say average, all I think as a numbers person, as a person who loves looking at stats and, you know, looking at stats and trying to say, what is what are these stats here telling us? Again, because and, and, and you know, I like to make this clear for a lot of my regular listeners, um, you know, stats will never tell you the real story, but you can get trends if you understand Absolutely. how to factually, you know, factually look at stats. People always talk about how they get manipulated and some people don't pay them attention for that reason. Yes, that happens too, but if you're being objective about the stats, well, when I hear you say average age of entry is 12 or 14, the only thing I hear, Domingo, is how many are much younger than that for that to be the average. That's all I hear as somebody who looks at stats constantly in a lot of other areas. That's all I hear. we got to have this uncomfortable conversation and put it in this perspective. Right. If you're out there on the line and want to speak, again, if you're just get, gathering information, we are A-OK with it. But if anybody has three cents that they can bring to the table or would like to bring to the table, we would love to hear it. Because, again, I want to know if you're out there, I want to know what are you hearing? Like, like me and Domingo are constantly speaking to our uncomfortability to speak to this issue. And the fact that this is never a topic that we can just dialogue about always concerns me. So again, I mean, if you, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't want to be on the air, I definitely do respect it. But I guess at this point, with this last half hour, I'm going to beg one of you listeners to speak. Let us know mm-hmm. what you're gathering. What are you learning from Domingos? I mean, you've again, you've opened my eyes at how I look at it. The ball has been running a little slow, so my brakes are at a different point. So I'm going to run to a quick break right now. Got the board back working. And when okay. we come back, hopefully some of y'all will let us know what y'all are hearing, what you're learning, or, or hopefully hearing it to the extent that you can use it in your for your family and, and make sure your family doesn't become victim to this very, very nasty industry. We'll be right back. We're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Oh, how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies' gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Cause I look like money, smell like money, talk like money. 
purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest Amelia Taylor, certified anti-human sex trafficking, and we are discussing human sex trafficking, what you don't know. I'm so appreciative of Queen of all the information that you're bringing to the table. Again, I hope we're talking about this in the way that we need to for anybody. We got, we got some listeners out there. I can see the few that are on the phone lines. I'll figure out who's online to uh, in the next couple of days when they send me that. But for those out there listening, again, I would love to just, you know, let us know if anything we're saying is resonating um, for you or, or whatever the case may be or, or whether any information you know that you know that happens in this industry that we need to talk about. Because, again, I think it is very necessary. I think me and Liga, clearly we agree uh, on this show, we typically are talking about subjects where there's a kind of a both, you know, there's two ends to it. And I'm not saying there's no other side to this story, but ultimately right. for the protection of our youth and the protection of our children, the only side, in my opinion, is to point out our lackadaisical perspective, our ignorance by choice, in my opinion. That's where we have to spend a lot of time. So as much as you're laying out the information and how exploitive it is, it's the reality is I think people do get exposed to it from time to time. I get how people choose not to hear this information. Again, we've talked about how we rationalize it, how we ignore it. But even when we hear these examples, unfortunately, for somebody like you who's an advocate, I'm pretty sure you're sharing these examples in the, in the, with the idea that it will drive more people to be aware. Obviously, it drives people like yourself to go into the industry. So it's not that no one's mm-hmm. being affected, but the bigger push as from a society standpoint, would be us proving it in our the way we're putting the laws together, which again is not making it so easy for the buyers. But you've kind of pointed that out that there has been some right. movement on that perspective. So maybe you can speak to that a little more. Um, again, I know you brought some of it to the table, um, but what do you think is is is, is that is, in a sense what I'm talking about? Do you think that's what's prompting? this focus finally on the buyers because it, it will come down to affecting demand because without that, the explorers are going to find a way to meet that demand at the end of the day. That's right. humans. That's what humans do, unfortunately. Go ahead, Corey. Well, what I do know is that uh, Georgia, the state of Georgia, um, in 2011 passed the law to make it more punishable But see, the more punishable it became on the traffickers. So they now can face up to 25 years in prison. And so, you know, that's a win. You know, it was a slow process. But when it comes down to the buyers, I'm not aware of what their criminal charge can be and what that actually faced. But, again, that's what the GBI is focusing on. 
They're focusing on the buyers now. So I'm pretty sure in time that there will be something put in place, if not already, to say what their crime would be, right, what their punishment will be. But as we mentioned earlier, when we talk about the buyers, right, and I know I'm probably going to really shake up some Patriots fans right now. And I have (laughs) – all of them are Patriots fans. I love all of you, Lopes and Tavares. But when we talk about the owner of the Patriots, right, and we all know Mm -hmm. what happened in that story, right, we all know what happened mm-hmm. in that story. And when we're talking about those high officials and when they are the buyers, then like you said, we look at how that may turn the other way, depending on who you are. But the buyers usually aren't the, the, the people that work at Kroger's, right? So if, in my opinion, if that was reversed, then I think there will be a higher law and a punishable law for the buyers. That's my opinion. Right. As, no, it makes sense. That's just right. what I think. No, I know no, that no. may, you know, make people, and it may make officials, you know, very upset in, in, in law enforcement that I even work with. But, I mean, I'm just being completely honest on where we are. It shouldn't have taken this long to start focusing on the buyers. Because, see, we always focus on the victims. The victim was always charged with prostitution, always, and they were the victims. So now we said, okay, let's look at the traffickers. And now we're saying, let's look at the buyers when they're the reason why. They've been doing it backwards the whole time. Exactly. They've been doing it backwards the whole time. Yep. And, and I honestly and, and think the, and it's the reality because is, of who they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. That definitely plays a role. And, and you know, and, and even in being completely honest about changing this focus, which I agree with you is 100% necessary. And if society, if we demand it, you know, that's what mm-hmm. kind of would happen. And, and, and here's the aspect. No, and neither, neither you or I are saying that changing this demand makes it go away. We're not, we're not silly right. enough to think, you know, that people are not exactly. going to break laws. Like, no, you know, so I don't even want right. anybody to hear it that way. But right. the level of importance of re, re, replace, in a sense, replacing how society looks at it ends up being way more protective for children overall because now you're going to you're going to see the reduction even if it's just the people right. who say I ain't messing with that type of punishment like like that exactly. if, if that's who stops that's a, that's that we've helped another child you know what i mean that's to that a degree win. Right. um yeah, that, that's absolutely a win. And even, and again, and even me researching, in a sense, the, the pimp game, per se, or whatever, like, right. like the, it, it, it supposedly went through a period due to the very thing you just talked about. They finally started adding these long years to, yep. you know, trafficking, whereas when it was just pimping and pandering, there was no incentive for, no, I'm talking about absolutely no incentive for somebody mm-hmm. in that game to leave it based on not only the amount of money they were making, but the consequence was so low that you you you, you pretty much die out of the game. Why would you leave it? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like like now there is a significant risk that some still will take, just like a drug dealer will take. It, but mm-hmm. you know you take the risk knowing this could be death or life in your life in prison within you know the drug. And we know people who take that risk, but they know that risk. And there's a lot of people who ain't willing to take that risk. So take even risk, an adjustment right. from society standpoint 
sad that it's necessary to even do it this way, but the reality mm-hmm. is the fact that we have not done that way, done it that way, speaks to really subconsciously what we're okay with, and we don't want to we right. don't want to admit that. And one of the things I also wanted to make make people aware, the audience aware, is what we can do, right? So we, we say what we need our law enforcement to do, but there are things that we can do because if we work okay. together to raise awareness, we go to our state, we go to social services, we go to law enforcement, and we go to schools. Don't you know there are two schools that are here in Georgia that I know because I was told I couldn't come to the school to teach the children about human sex trafficking. The schools are saying no, but but they're teaching the kids about drug abuse. The parents have to sign the, the, the affidavit giving their consent to uh, sex education. Even some of our schools' parents are saying no, that we can't go. I, you know, you can't have someone come what? and teach about sex trafficking. Yes, Jacksonville, Florida is the first uh, city that has implemented um, human sex trafficking education in the schools. So even some of our right. schools are turning a, a blind eye to that. Even some of our schools. I was recently at a high school, my daughter's high school, and there are so many children that were there that came up to me and they told me stories of weirdness going on on Snapchat, what, what happened on Snapchat. They told me about bus stops information. So trust me, they are coming right. to, to our children. And the fact that these kids didn't know what that was, and then schools, not all of them, are saying, no, right. you can't come talk to our children about that. <laughs> Ask yourself why. That, that might be so the most disturbing thing I've heard all morning, Domingo. Exactly. So we need to call our Board of Education, and we need to demand, just like drug education is taught, sexual education is taught, they need to now start teaching about human sex trafficking. Yeah. And, and, and let's remind people, because you said it in the first hour, for anybody that tuned in later, let's remind people that it has become the second leading industry to drugs um, here versus it you know used to be further down so so when you say it needs you know people kind of agree let's teach drug stuff well if this is the second leading illegal industry that's being exploitive of our children then how the heck are we not signing up to teach our children at school at the age when they most need it makes no sense to me right when it's our last break, right we'll be right back no nah, absolutely we'll be right back you're listening to the mr dialogue talk show all i ask is that you think Babe, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Oh, how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, 
Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group, focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Once again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. If you are a South Carolina listening, we are bringing the Mental Dialogue Live experience today, 7 o'clock at Cooperate Belt. We've been advertising it all week, so if you're in South Carolina, hope to meet and greet you this evening. If I've never met you, and for those that I know, look forward to putting on the live experience in South Carolina later this evening. If you're in Atlanta, it is every third Friday. It's just heard on the cut here at Urban Grind, a black-owned coffee shop here in Atlanta, the smartest event in the city. Demena, you've been fortunate enough to attend the live experience. So if you want to yes. you know, throw us a little shout-out about what we're doing here in Atlanta, I uh, definitely would appreciate it because there's some of the Atlanta people. I see there are a lot of them on the board right now listening. So if you haven't been out to a live experience, we highly recommend it. And, uh, yeah, but any thoughts? Because, again, I know you've been able to attend one um, before. And I think, matter of fact, that's pretty much what led to me even being able to do this show with you before we made our relationship right. from that point. Uh, yeah, but so yep. thank you for attending and thank you for being on this morning. But if you will, any any thoughts on the live experience itself real quick? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it was my first time coming out. I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I was just doing a real quick search on Meetup for this type of conversation and mental dialogue came on. Um, the coffee shop in itself is dope. I mean, I know there are a lot of Starbucks drinkers and I do love my green tea latte. But the Urban Grind Coffee Shop is a very dope um, setting, uh, and the show in itself, uh, Montoya is a great host. Um, we we played the, um, I believe, the uh, Black History game, which was fun because it was a twist with the game. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. I loved all of the speakers that came up. I was able to get uh, different things that I didn't know about. It was real estate. It was a man, a dope poet came up there. It was uh, nonprofit organizations, and so it's tons of information that goes on there that I have took away from, and then that's how I connected um, with Montoya. So if you are in South Carolina. Um, tonight, I urge you to go to their live. You will not be disappointed. Now, I appreciate that, Pub. I did not pay her for that, for anybody out there listening. No, he did <laughs> uh, not. <but> no, <laughs> <laughs> nah, absolutely. No, nah, absolutely. As I always say, we can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. We're literally trying to create a virtual neighborhood where we connect uh, at the live experiences and every Saturday morning. If you are free and available, we want your three cents. All these discussions, again, I do fully expect not to get into today. And, again, I, I, but I call out the audience. It's not even about my audience in particular. It's just highlighting, which it disheartens me because, again, when I'm, you know, trying to take full advantage of me, because if it was up to me, to me, to be honest with you, I could literally do sexual assault of children, this topic, and domestic violence 
if it was up to me, I could do it every show. But that didn't work for me having a show, right? You know what I mean? Just being right. very sincere. Right. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, but, you know, I'm saying that because the level of importance that we all in the back of our brains and minds know that there should be a higher level of importance to it. But it, all of those areas cost us to take a mirror check because yeah. but the reality is in all of those <laughs> areas, even if you're not the victim, you possibly are the explorer or you're neither one but mm. no each. And so, therefore, we don't talk. And so when it's time for society to own the fact that our not discussing it lets those things thrive. See, I'm, I've kind of taken yeah. the position now, Domingo, that that I would love, because, I mean, all of the we're talking about, like, for example, the abuse and people's backstories, right? So typically, mm-hmm. again, once you start getting into the victims, their backstories are full of all these things that are already problems in of themselves, right, before they even get right. to this industry, right? And so mm-hmm. I have this concept that as soon as a young man is known for putting his hands on a, a you know on a, a young girl or whatever, and then in the daytime we know it goes both ways, right? We're just talking about these right. concepts of abuse, physical abuse, domestic violence, girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, domestic, whatever the case may be, people putting their hands on themselves or whatever. So the reality is, this is how we were. I just want to point this example out because I think it'll relate to what we're talking about now. So I have this concept that. I thought about it like if a young man get, does that as maybe he's a freshman in high school or, or a sophomore gets known or we finally we hear like, oh, so-and-so smacked his girlfriend or something to that effect, right? So mm-hmm. the, way it was, the way that gets handled in society, it obviously runs through the rumor mill for the kids that heard about it and know about it, right? But if it gets mm-hmm. to the adults and the authorities who can handle it, so it's going to be kind of handled in a way where it's like, well, we want so-and-so to learn the lesson. But it still kind of bums the word, right? Like, like if, right. especially if it's a situation where it didn't happen on campus, so therefore the school doesn't have authority to necessarily render a punishment for it, but maybe they got wind of it. So then it's talk to the mom, like, you know, and you kind of have these discussions about, you know you shouldn't hit girls or whatever. And so it gets done very different than had he broke into a building. Because then he broke into the building – the whole world be just talking about this, like this kid mm-hmm. fourteen breaking into something. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like the mm-hmm. way we deal with other transgressions are out in the open, and we try to embarrass you into doing acting correct and doing right. Mm-hmm. We put it up front and center your exploitation or your criminal act or whatever the case may be, because we're trying to correct you before you keep going down that route. But when it comes to right putting our hands on our significant other because we, we try to understand significant other relationships are different than other relationships, right? So our level of understanding and hoping to correct you along the way at that point means we kinda do it mom's the word. Or or yep. or or even the con yeah, or even the concept where a lot of times I'll hear um our queens say some well some of our queens say they feel unprotected you know, out here on all mm. kind of levels in this, you know, whether it's this industry or now when we're talking about domestic violence. So when I'm, when I'm hearing them in a sense say that for some, you know, for the ones who do say it, well, unfortunately what, 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 what I'm talking about now is why you get to that point. 
And I'm of the perspective now that as soon as somebody is acting in a manner that's possibly going to send them down that route, we should be loud. It should be normal to call mm-hmm. somebody out for one of these transgressions because if it becomes normal in society to do it, now how do youth, how do the youth come up when it comes to those things? They come up being like, I don't want to be that person. I'm not doing that because they're going to right. embarrass the hell out of this person for doing that. Whereas the way we do it now is we kind of keep it under wraps and hope they don't do it no more. Yep. Yep, that's very true. I agree with you um, uh, 100%. And I started the conversation as saying we always like to sweep those things underneath the rug, right? Especially when it comes down to when we're talking about abuse. And uh, human sex trafficking is a form of abuse. And it's also um, uh, modern-day slavery. Is that's that other that's the other name of human sex trafficking. Right. It is a form of modern day slavery. So if we don't take what's going on and like you said, highlight that and put that on front street and blast the 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 traffickers and the buyers that are doing this and we're only making this out to be on a very low level and we keep it very mum and very quiet about it, then we're not um, bringing awareness to it, and we're not letting people see that it's completely wrong. Like, people need to feel disgusted when they hear the word human sex trafficking. When they hear trafficker, when they hear buyer of a child, it needs to be very, it, the feeling, the overwhelming feeling that they get should be of disgust to the point that you want to start to do something about it. And not that oh, well, you know, it's not my kid, or, you know, hey, I don't know him, or, you know what I mean? Like, you need to, I want you to feel uncomfortable. Yes, because this conversation is not supposed to be comfortable. But just like as a parent, you may feel uncomfortable having that sex talk with your kid, right? The quote-unquote birds and the bees. But you have it. Mm -hmm. I hope so. This is the so same don't thing. Do that either. And you don't have to sit the child down and say, you know what, today we're going to learn about sex trafficking. What I do with my kids, right. my, my daughter came out with me speaking. So as parents, you can kind of just, if you're sitting there, I eat dinner with my kids all the time. So if you're sitting now, it can just, through conversation, you know, how was school today? And, you know, you can just start talking to them about tattoos and some of the some of the ways that traffickers brand their victims with these tattoos, it's a way that you can just kind of ease it into the conversation without it being uncomfortable for you or your child. Cause your child may feel uncomfortable talking about that too, but you have to think of, you know, um, ways that you can just kind of merge that conversation in and your child will never know that you really just sat down and had a human sex trafficking conversation, but you did. So, um, right. Let me throw this out real quick. If I can throw this out too, speaking of that uncomfortability for the child, because sometimes we're so concerned about them. That's what we, you know. We, so that holds us back from talking. Sometimes I just want to talk. throw this out real mm-hmm. quick. That that even if the child is uncomfortable, the point. What I found out is even in how people act in their own sexual lives, whoever made them the most uncomfortable in their life is usually who they took the most advice from. So I don't even want parents mm. to be afraid of that part of it based on, again, right. this is just something I've seen because I remember my I own agree. life, the things that i done well and protected myself came from my mom who always talked so much about it. I never said a word back. I never liked it, but I listened. So I just want but to keep listen. that out. We got about 
Yeah, but we got about a minute before we go, Queen. You've been amazing. So if there's any, since you, you do this advocacy work in this advocacy work in this area, please let people know how they can get help if they need it. With, you know, while we have it. Right. Um, I encourage everyone to contact the National Human Traffic um, Hotline, which is one eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight. Or you can go on and visit their website. They have tons of information on there that will further educate you on human sex trafficking. And if you are a victim or if you know someone that's a victim or if you see potential trafficking, you can also report it to them. They have a way that you can text them, and they also have a live chat. Um, If you are a victim, um, please report your situation to authorities, you know, when you are safe to do so. Or as I stated before, you know, contact a uh, school counselor, a religious leader, a responsible adult. And for all the adults out there listening, parents, please, again, just educate yourself because by educating yourself, you can teach your children. And by that, they are going to lower their risk of being sexually, of possibly being sexually exploited because they are now aware of what to look for. Thank you. You've been amazing. Thank you, Queen. Let's do it again. Make them uncomfortable again in the future. Appreciate you. Absolutely. All Thank I you, Montoya, for having me on. No, absolutely. All I ask is that you think. We'll see you all next Saturday.